All right, you guys, before I get into today's episode of Little Man Big Conversations, I gotta talk to you again about sponsorships. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. We're not having much luck with these sponsors. On episode one, I had <laughs> hit me up, gave me the code, you guys messaged me. Hey, that code doesn't work. Damn it. Episode two, I had a new sponsor lined up. Good to go. And the damn music played it out. But today, don't fret. Today, I have a new sponsor. Now, in this time, in this day and age, in this global situation, we're all looking for things to do, right? Looking to kill the time during quarantine. Have I got the thing for you? Underwater basket weaving. I know. <laughs> Trust me. Three words you thought you'd never hear put together. Like pizza, broccoli band-aid. Sounds great. Separately, they're great. Don't know if all three should be put together. But hey, underwater basket weaving is the skill for you. You ever sat underwater with weighted pants and tried to weave a basket in a pool and had people say, hey, get out of my pool. No? Then you need to start underwater basket weaving today. It's done in all kinds of countries. Like, uh, well, I can't name them right now. But hey, don't take my word for it. Go out and try today, underwater basket weaving. You regret that you didn't, and you'll be happy that you didn't. I mean, happy that you will, that you didn't. If you know what I didn't mean. Uh, enjoy today's episode. <laughs> Alright you guys, welcome back to Little Man Big Conversations. Man, if you've been checking out this podcast the last few episodes, and if you haven't, hey... What's been going on? I really wish you would check out those other episodes. But hey, if you're a loyal listener and you have, you would have heard me talk about not only my high school journey, but my wrestling journey. And you would have heard me name drop a guy called Blaze. I've said his real name is Tim. And today I have tracked him down after knowing this guy for 17 years. I've got him on the podcast here today. He was with me throughout my schooling. He was the first friend I made when I moved up to Queensland. We started our journey together. And I'm proud to say, 17 years later, we're still kind of friends. No, no, we're still great friends. And I've got him here today. Ladies and gentlemen, Blaze. Blaze, how are you, man? Hey, good. Doing well. Thanks, man. How are you doing? Man, I am doing I'm doing well. I'm I'm super excited for today, man, because uh there's a lot of things when we get this podcast rolling that um that are popping up that I, I said in a couple of the episodes there. I, I I was scratching my head about a couple of things. Uh yeah. but hey. You're the man that's here and you're the man that uh, has all the answers. But man, when I hit you up a couple of days ago to come to this podcast, I knew you were a busy guy because you were traveling. You're you're busy on the social media, uh, doing the sights and sounds of Europe. Yes. But I never knew what uh, I never knew what was going on. And then, uh, yeah, you want to tell the people listening just exactly what you've been up to? Yeah, so it's been a um, very busy time at the moment. My wife and six-year-old daughter and I have just been overseas to Europe for about three months. Right. And what a time to go overseas, eh? <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. So we, um, yeah, we left early January, um, right. went through Singapore over to Italy first. We were there for about a month. Mm -hmm. um, and then we went through sort of mainland Europe, headed up towards England for our last little bit or Great Britain for the last little bit of our journey. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, obviously about a month into our trip, all this coronavirus business started coming up. Wow. Um, yeah. And obviously it's just completely changed our world. Um, and yeah, so it was just absolutely ridiculous because we sort of heard about this coronavirus coming up while we we're in Italy. 
And then um, kind of basically my wife and I kind of joked that we, we were either very, very lucky or we were the ones spreading it everywhere because basically every country, <laughs> basically every country, that's a joke, by the way, we don't have coronavirus, but every single country that we went to, um, within a day or two, they'd shut down behind us. So we'd leave Italy, wow. they'd shut down. We'd go to Austria, go to Germany, they'd shut Austria down, go to um, Belgium, and then they shut down uh, Germany and things like that. So it was just very, very stressful, um, pretty overwhelming sort of thing to deal with. Kind of felt like you're in a movie the whole time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, particularly when we got to – so we sort of went through Italy, um, Austria, Germany, and through to Belgium. And the day we left Belgium, they shut the whole country down, complete lockdown. Um, so no traveling around. I think it was, it was pretty crazy. Uh, went to France and same thing happened. So the morning we were leaving Paris, the whole city was completely shut down. You could walk down, you know, that main street with Arc de Trump and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. you could, you could walk down there without seeing another soul. Um, wow. and yeah, it was quite scary cause that was the point where we're kind of worrying, are we going to be able to get home? Where are we going to get stuck somewhere in a foreign country? Mm. Um, so it was a, we were just extremely relieved to be able to get to the UK at least just to be in a Commonwealth country and obviously English speaking, they'd look after us a bit better, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so we got, we left the morning that France had completely shut down. Um, we were worried we weren't going to get out. We were worried we we're going to be stuck in there. And luckily we got to do the train ride under the English channel, um, got to the UK and ended up spending um, about a week and a half in London and we had to kind of cut our trip about three and a half weeks short um, just because of obviously everything was shutting down at that point. So it was a very surreal feeling to be in London, walking the streets of London and um, everything like that, seeing Buckingham Palace and everything with basically no one around and uh, in that situation. So Yeah, that would yeah. that definitely must have felt like you said it just before, but I was thinking the same thing because, man, it must feel like one of those Hollywood movies where it's like it's chasing us and then everywhere you yeah. went it was sort of like shutting down right behind you. Exactly. And it was, it was crazy at the end. Like I said, even with um, Belgium the day after we went to Disneyland Paris and the day after we finished our two days there, they mm. shut down Disneyland Paris. Um, everything was just, it was just this very surreal sort of feeling. Um, and obviously yeah, getting home was extremely stressful. Like just the, all, all the flights were getting canceled. You didn't know where to go. And you're hearing all these horror stories of like, if you fly through Dubai or Abu Dhabi, um, you might get quarantined there and we have like a little six-year-old girl. So, you know, you're not going <laughs> to, the, wow. the idea of getting stuck in the Middle East and stuff is just not very enticing. Mm. Um, so we ended up luckily finding Qantas had the last few, last few flights. Thanks Qantas. Um, and we were able to get the direct flight from London to Perth and then Perth back to the Gold Coast. So wow, yeah, yeah. Very lucky, but a long flight. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I bet a long, stressful flight. Not knowing, uh, yes. not knowing what's going to what, not knowing what's going to wait you when you get home, man. Exactly. I know it was terror. It was it was pretty terrifying in a way, but then yeah, just surreal. That's the only thing I can say. It was very surreal. Um, and then obviously, like you sort of mentioned, um, I've been just finished my two weeks of isolation. Um, so that was. So an you and the family experience. are good now. You and the family are okay now. Yeah, we're all good. No sicknesses, good. anything like that. So we um, ended up staying with my in-laws and because they came over to visit us while we were over there. So they had to do the isolation also. So we've had uh, six six or seven people in this in the house together for two weeks straight. Um, so we've just finally been let loose. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Man, sounds so. like perfect timing to get you on here and uh, talk about not only that journey, but the journey that you and I shared together. Yes. Yeah, quite a journey. Man, talking about stressful and overwhelming, I remember coming up and traveling a little bit, not as extravagant as the recent travels that you've had, yeah. but I traveled up from uh, Sydney to the Gold Coast in 2003. Yes. 
And it was yes. stressful and overwhelming because my first day at that high school we went to was walking in and having all of grade nine stare at me like I had just shot someone, to which they then introduced <laughs> me in front of everyone. And I was like, hi. And they said, okay, take a seat, you know, sit wherever you want. And then they yeah. said, right, camp tomorrow. So yes. I, infamous, I no one. infamous year nine camp of out in the bush camping and like it was an actual, it's an actual camp. It's not like a normal school camp. It's an actual you're out, you're out, you know, bushwhacked. It's, it's pretty out there. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that day, man? I do. I very vaguely, like I remember, um, very vaguely that day of seeing you. Not, not vividly though, unfortunately, <laughs> um, obviously it'd be a bit more stressful for you. It's just a normal day at school for me, but yeah. yes, it was a bit but, crazy. Uh, but Hey, it worked out for the best because as I said in a couple of episodes and the top of this episode, we became friends because of our mutual love for wrestling at that time. That's right. Yeah, we um we actually I, the earliest memory I have actually is being in the same group for camp. So like we had to sleep in yeah. the same tent and everything yep. like that. So it was you, myself, and Michael, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, I think so. Yes. So I, me- I remember that, and it was like we kind of obviously just must have it just must have come up that you were into wrestling. I think you were sort of you might have even been wearing a t shirt or something like that. It was like a wrestler's t shirt, something like that. It came up, mm. and um yeah, and obviously so I I've grown up loving wrestling my whole life. So right. that kind of immediately hit it off for us. Yeah, it did. And we'd always speak about it all the years that we were there um, at, during high school together. We'd always speak about how funny it would be if some crazy topsy-turvy way that we'd find a way that you'd be the wrestler and I'd be the manager. And I was like, man, yeah. that would be so cool. But hey, it wasn't until 2008. You graduated 2007. Oh, no, you graduated 2006. Yeah. I was 2007. Sorry, mate, that was you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, uh, no, you're right. You graduated 2006. I was 2007. Then I get a call out of the blue. We were still chatting, but it was a random call one night. And you said, hey, you want to come and see wrestling? Now, quick Google search equaled zero results for WWE or TNA (laughs) in my local area. Yes. To which you then told me, no, no, no. It's this local one called IPW. And hey, I'm wrestling. Man. Yes. (laughs) That was a surreal moment. But take me back because I don't think I ever knew this process. I knew that you'd performed and then we'll get into us joining up and doing that whole thing in a moment. But mm. where were you at at this point? Cause you had just graduated. You were, I think you were starting to do uni, but how did the topic of, or you starting your training come about? Yeah. So basically I was at university at this stage and I was studying like multimedia film and television, that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, I was doing that stuff at uni and still really interested in wrestling, still watching it regularly and all that kind of stuff. And um, it was actually one night at, um, youth group actually when I was doing youth group there for a long time ago um I ran into a guy called Guy Belgrove I don't know if you remember him um but basically he was a wrestler and I think one of my other friends just heard that I liked wrestling they're like oh you have to talk to this guy um like guy called guy and he um you know he does wrestling and things like that and I was like what like are you talking about like Olympic wrestling or something yeah. like that anyways so I went and chatted to him and he's this big big burly guy still is I haven't seen him for years and years but he's massive muscly guy. He's a weightlifter at the time bodybuilder at the time um, yeah. And he was kind of real quietly spoken guy, but he basically said, yeah, like I do wrestling at this thing called IPW pro wrestling. Um, and yeah. And so that he just said, I'll oh, come to a show. Um, so yeah, I sort of went to the show, saw it and instantly knew I had to get involved somehow. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, that was kind of the basic overview. Obviously we can get to more detail later, but that was the basic overview of what got me, um, into IPW and starting my training. Right. And how long was it that you were training there? Because I vaguely remember it was about mid-2008 that you had your debut match against Ash. But how long were you training for before that matchup came about? 
Yeah, so I was training not very long, actually. It was something, Mm. like I hate saying it because it sounds like you're being really arrogant, but it was something I picked up really fast. Like it was something, um, especially just because we'll get into this later as well, but wrestling a lot on the trampoline as a kid and stuff. I know it sounds funny, but you obviously start to kind of make those connections of how it works as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And just being into sports and stuff my whole life, I think I just was able to pick it up pretty fast and Hawk Hawk and Ash were training really fast. So I think I genuinely was only training for about four or five, six weeks maybe before – um, there was the talk of putting me on a show. Um, huh. so yeah, it was a pretty quick turnaround from getting first training session to a first show. Um, yeah. 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 So I remember coming down to that show and, uh, think pretty much your whole family were there mm. and I had just recently bought, uh, the famous gigantic oversized red jumper. <laughs> The infamous red jumper, yeah. Yes, yes, that thing which uh, many a venue, wow, it's really hot. Good thing I'm wearing a jumper. Yeah, um, on the Gold Coast too. Yeah. <laughs> Nonetheless. <laughs> Wise yeah. choice to make when uh, 95% of the Gold Coast weather is hot. Um, That's exactly so, right. So, yeah, so I, I bought that jumper. I came down with your family. Um, and then there was that comedy segment that I got involved in and did a bit mm-hmm. of a dance-off, um, came back down, and then I think a couple of matches after, you were out there. Man, mm-hmm. that was insane. I couldn't believe that, hey, there's my mate from high school. I grew up with this guy. Actually doing it, yeah. And he's actually doing it. And I remember yeah. thinking, dude, if I'm ever going to fulfill that high school boyhood promise that we made each other to do this, I'm like, man, I've got to do it. And I remember you coming out of the show. All of us were just so elated and happy for you. And I think I... Well, I think it was either just afterwards and um, you said, oh, what do you think, man? And I said, man, like, I got to do this with you. And you're like, sweet. And you go, oh, go talk to Hawk. <laughs> I had no idea who Hawk was because I don't think he was on that show. And I went, which one's Hawk? And I th- I remember this. I thought Jackaroo was Hawk. And I went up oh, and yeah. I was, I was yeah. full chatting to him oh, and he was like, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I was full talking to Jackaroo and I said, hey, you know, I really want to join. And he didn't give me the cold shoulder, but he was kind of like, oh, yeah. Okay. Why are you? Yeah. Why are you talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a, at least Jacko is a lot more approachable. First off, though, he's Man. the friendliest guy in the world. Yeah. yeah, I have I have said this in uh, previous episodes on here that yeah, Hawk. Once you got to know him, Hawk had a heart of gold. Would do anything for anyone. Would quite literally give you the shirt off his back. But mm-hmm. I didn't know him at that time, and what an imposing figure that was. I I don't think yeah. I don't think that show actually went and asked him. I thought, well. I've gotten in the ring. I've done a dance off. If I never do anything again, that'll be it. But yeah, at least you, at least you felt the ring. That's kind of the yeah initial, yeah. Point, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I remember getting in there and I thought, man, I, I remember zipping that hoodie up and I had hot, excitable tears in my eyes. Like, Oh wow. It's so exciting. <laughs> I'm so happy. But it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't until I think you messaged me or called me, I think a couple of days later and said, hey, dude, like, I'm going down the training. I think training at that point was about three or four days a week. And mm-hmm. it was monthly shows at that point. But you said, hey, man, I'm going to go down the training. Do you want me to pick you up? And I went, yeah. yeah. And do you remember take, taking me down to this first training session, the first session we went together? Because I was giddy as hell on that car ride. Man, I actually am struggling to remember the specific thing. I remember the first being at the training session, but I don't remember the yeah. car ride. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So we're in the car I was, ride I was, together. I was busy concentrating on the road, you know, being a safe oh, driver. And all. How dare you? Um, yeah. So yeah, we got, we're doing this car ride together. We drive down yeah. to the gym and I remember 
I remember you saying to me, we got to, we got to the training facility and I, I remember getting out of the car and you said, are you going to actually wear that in? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Do you remember what was, what was I going to wear into that gym, man? Yeah. So you rocked up in your Flashman jacket, the, the red, <laughs> the aforementioned red Flashman jacket that's in the middle of summer in the Gold Coast here. Yes. Um, so, yes. And obviously, um, so I think you had the idea that you're going to make sure that everyone remembers you from your dance off, yeah. which to be honest, going to wrestling is probably not the greatest idea. Everyone remembers you as a dancer, but that's okay. Um, and I remember, yeah, going in there and I remember pointing out Hawk and saying that's Hawk over there. And I think I introduced you to him. I think I said, this is my friend James. Yeah, you did. Um, you did. He wants to check it out or whatever. And Hawk just looked like he wanted to eat somebody, which is pretty much every time you see him, but especially when he saw this guy, because I remember him just, I can't remember the comment he used to make, but basically like talking about how small you were. He was like, what the hell is this guy? Doing? He just was baffled. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I knew and um, anyone who knows you is that you're like just a born entertainer. You're just a born comedian, entertainer sort of person. So uh, I knew that your love for wrestling and that combined is going to be gold, pure gold. So I knew that as soon as you got your confidence, as soon as you got given a chance, that Hawk would absolutely love you. And that's exactly what happened. Oh, um, wow. I never knew that. So, Thank you. Yeah, of course. That's what I mean. If you ask anybody that knows you, I'm sure they'd say the same thing. You're like born to be an entertainer. I owe a lot of people a lot of money for that comment. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I expected to. Um, no, so I remember, yeah, taking you in and introducing you to him. And I think, did you just watch the first lesson? I don't think you got too involved. Yeah, no, I, I didn't watch the first lesson. We walked into the gym. All eyes were just daggers on me. And you're, you're like, hi, guys. And everyone's like, hey, Blaze. And, and everyone just didn't even acknowledge me. And I'm like, oh, we're in a jacket. <laughs> yeah. You must recognize me. Yeah. Like I was, I don't know why. Yeah. But yeah, we walked into that little office. Hawk was in there doing some paperwork, and you you knocked in, knocked on the door, and we walked in. Hey, Hawk, uh, this is this is James, my mate. He's uh, he was at the show. He was um, he's thinking about signing up. And Hawk mm-hmm. whipped off his glasses. He looked at me and he goes, <laughs> "Oh yeah, the yeah. fucking dancer." And I went, yeah. "Oh yeah, this is not the." <laughs> not the thing I want. And he yeah, goes, like he wanted to, he wanted to remember you, but not in that way, probably. Yeah. So I think if I wore anything else, hell, man, if I wore a pink tutu with mm. an elephant mask on my head with high heels on i think it would have been more accepted than me yeah, wearing that pretty much ridiculous jumper but yes you are correct yeah. i don't i don't remember doing that first initial session because i remember we had the chat with hawk either before training started or slightly after but it was definitely a conversation that you and i had with him where it was a case of so do you want to wrestle and i said no because i didn't yeah. I honestly, and I've, I've said this before, um, I didn't feel like I had a place in that ring. And no one was making me feel like that, especially you. No one was making me feel like that. No. It, was just a, it was just a thing of, you know, wrestling by default is a size game. And I thought I was – it was in my head and I was thinking, hey, I'm going to insult these guys if I get in there. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I sat out for that first session. Um, and, yeah, man, we were uh, – we were pretty hooked by about, I think, uh, I think it was the next session that I went, you were going to sign up because we had that car ride home and you were quizzing me pretty hard on whether or not I was going to commit to it with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know. It was a, it was a crazy time. Um, and I think, like you said, it was more, you were looking more to get into managing anyway than wrestling, more than yeah. wrestling. Yeah. Um, I think so it was, only, yeah. Yeah. It was more that, but I also just from us mucking around in high school and stuff knew that you, you kind of like to wrestle around and you'd probably be very entertaining in the ring and things like that as well. So 
I think it was always going to be a, at least a question asked, but mm. yeah. I've, yeah. So I wasn't too confident back then, but um, with you guiding me along the way and then obviously getting into the training, things like that, but the in-ring training didn't start for a while, but I remember the next training session we rocked up together. Mm. Um, I kind of didn't get involved physically all too much and Hawk, approach me i think mid or at the end of training i think we're doing a practice match yeah we're doing a practice match we're leading into the next show and i think you were training with hercules sort of working out and getting a vibe and getting a feel for the next show and hawk then said to me all right before you start the match and he goes you and i'm like me and he's like yeah go manage your mate and i went what and he's like go on go manage him so i was at ringside and man i'm not i (laughs) i don't want to admit that i i you know, I crapped the bed, but hell, if, if the sheets were funny, I'm not, also not going to take the blame for that either. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. It was, I know, um, it's always scary. It's very scary the first time, especially even just at training. It's, it's almost like more scary at training because it's not a real match. You kind of find it hard to let go into your character and all that. So I, I think it's, it's just because difficult. those peers, are the, the peers that you're working with, you kind of feel like, man, am I going to muck it up and these guys aren't going to want to work with me or help me out here? Like you feel that invisible yeah. pressure. But it was never yeah, like exactly. that. In the years that we were there together, it was never like that. It was always like a family thing. I think it was all in our head trying to gain our confidence. Yeah, um, for sure. But, yeah, so we ended up having that first session together. I may have ruined the bed. I could have used the excuse <laughs> it was like that when I got here. But I, I remember yeah. being very Elmer Fudd, very uh, <laughs> finding out that I was going through puberty. Uh, puberty during uh, my managing guy plays. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, we have that, we have that session together. Hawk seemingly liked it. And he said, all right, uh, you're on the show in three weeks. You're managing your mate. And yeah. I went, what? Yeah. And that would have been probably my second or third match at that rate. I think. Yeah. Th- I think this was third, your yeah. second match. Cause yeah, yeah we Something approached like your second match and uh, man, you, uh, <laughs> yeah, you had a little bit of an alternate journey during the second match. Yeah, so I think that was this is the injury, isn't it? This second match. I was, yeah. I was thinking back today when I knew I was doing this. Yeah, so I th- I believe it was this match. So I was training for a match with Herc Hercules, mm-hmm. and yeah, had that. I'm pretty sure it was my second match anyway. Um, and so it was just freak accident because it was a simple, simple move, and it's one of those moves you just never could even imagine this could happen, but it somehow did to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so what happened was I got Herc, picked him up for a, just a normal suplex. It was just a straightforward normal suplex. And as I kind of got him straight above my head when he was completely straight up in the air, um, I kind of went up a little bit onto my tippy toes to try and get that real, you know, the hyperextension, I suppose, try and get as far up as I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for some reason, when I went up onto my toes, I think my toe, my left toe kind of got stuck on, you know, the ring used to have all those, well, I probably still have all the tape and stuff on the ring to patch it up. Right. Yeah. I think it was just something like that, a little, little something that my toe got caught on. And basically my toe got caught like a ballerina and then the rest of my body kept on going. So my toe kept my foot under my body, basically the wrong direction, if that makes sense. A bit hard to explain, but basically came yeah. crashing down, came crashing down. And as soon as I did it, and I remember talking to, um, uh, oh my goodness, having my like commentator. Scott Black. Um, yeah, Scott Black, of course. Yes. I remember talking to him after and he was watching and he's like, oh my goodness, as soon as you did that, I thought you'd broken your ankle for sure, broken your leg for sure. Cause it was just such an obvious, like that's not how your ankle's supposed to go. Yeah. Um, so I remember coming down really hard and just straight away punching the mat, hitting the mat in pain, just, mm. just excruciating. Mm. Um, and I remember, I think it was slamming Sam was refereeing at that time. I think so. Um, yeah. I, 
I think it was him in that match. And I remember just looking up at him being like, I've, I need to finish the match. Because this is only about five minutes into a 15-minute match. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, I need to finish the match. You need to finish it. And he went over to Herc and was like, um, finish it. And I think, to be honest, I can't remember who won. I think I was I was set to win the match, um, to right. go over. And I think Herc sort of positioned himself really well. He actually did a good, great job in the situation. Um, he positioned himself really well where I was able to sort of just roll him up real quickly, get the three count, and then just hobble out. Yeah. Um, so it didn't yeah. look too too bad but um yeah and i just remember hobbling out um and you were with me at the time and i think you were kind of weren't sure what had happened at that like you were a bit confused no i had um, no idea do you remember what happened or did you see yeah so i remember being obviously a ringside man doing the managerial work con- consistently oh, yeah. sort of finding out that uh uh that my voice was changing throughout this match go, go <laughs> place and i remember <laughs> yeah. i i kept i did recap on this in um episode two of this podcast where i said that I was really confused because I was watching the action and I was yep. watching the high angle that you had for, I think it was either a normal suplex or a back suplex, but yeah, it was definitely a mm-hmm. suplex of some description. Mm-hmm. You'd gone up for it. I'm thinking, man, that's sky high, not dangerous, but it looked good. It yep. came down nice and neat. You protected their opponent. It was nothing that you had done. Nothing at Herc would done again, like you said, freak accident, but yes, yeah. once you'd come down, I remember you punching that match vividly. Yeah, and that image has always been burnt into my mind for some reason. They yep. got out of there, and I remember coming in the ring, and I was thinking, "But your leg hasn't been worked this whole match. Why are you saying yeah. leg? That's so? <laughs> is this like an angle or something that I wasn't aware of? Because obviously, I didn't sit in on the wrestling talk. Yeah. So I thought, yeah. oh, maybe this is just some sort of angle. And then when I crawled over to you, um, and you were still in the ring, and I think Sam was kneeling down next to you. Grave Tavern might have gotten up and come to the ring. I'm not too mm. sure. Yeah, but I, I remember, remember that specifically, but yeah. Yeah, but I remember crouching down next to you and you're just gritting your teeth and, and mo- like moaning. And I said, man, what's going on? And you're like, I've done something. I've done something. I really feel like I've done something. I'm, I'm really sure it's my ankle. And you're like, oh, yeah. sh- shoot, damn it. You know, oh, so annoying. Like, you're really frustrated. We got backstage. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, what happened Sorry. during that point? Because did you go immediately to get scans after that or was it a day or so later? I can't remember the actual scans for that specific injury because I, I had another injury that we'll get to later that I remember mm-hmm. going to the doctors for. But, yeah, this first one, I just remember getting help back. I think it was by you and Sam because I remember yep. having my arms around. Yeah, it, it must have been Slam and Sam. Took me back. And then I remember Ash was actually the person who kind of sat me down and, and, like, took my gear off for me. He was kind of like, um, help me out there. So thanks, Ash, for that if I didn't say it. Um, and he kind of sat me down and put my foot up and he took my shoe off and my, my kick pads off and stuff. And he was checking my ankle um, and he's like, I, I don't think it's broken, but it, like it was swelling up and things like that. Um, and I think, I think cause it was at nighttime, um, because it didn't, it wasn't obviously broken or anything like that. I was like, okay, I'll just get home, take some Panadol and then tomorrow I'll go check it out. Right. Um, so I remember, yeah, going to the doctors and so they said, luckily, cause I got the scans and everything, luckily it's not broken, but I'd, um, pretty badly damaged some ligaments, I believe it was, yeah. um, in the side of my ankle. Uh, and yeah, basically was very lucky you didn't break it. So I, I had crutches at the, so for, for like a month after that or three, three or four weeks after that, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That. So that was extremely frustrating because that was probably only three months into wrestling. Mm. Um, and my second match on a show um, to get an injury yeah. like that, it's just frustrating. Cause you're like, you just, you just want to get in there and have every match you can. And it, it kind of put a halt to that for a, a month or so. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and, and it was one of those injuries I remember as soon as I started coming back to training, I kind of felt okay standing on it and sort of running and things like that. But every time I'd either get clotheslined or I'd get thrown into the turnbuckle or something like that, just the 
the shudder of your body, it just was excruciatingly painful. And it, like, really? Or it just, yeah, or it just if I do just anything, if I just like hit my foot on the rope while you're, while you're moving around the ring mm. at the wrong angle, it was just, it was excruciating for like six months after that. It eventually went away. But yeah, I probably came back too early, to be honest. It probably wasn't fully healed, but um, yeah, raring to go to get back in the ring. So did you think like, even though you'd recovered, even though they're giving you the diagnosis, you're on crutches, the healing rate was annoying at best, but hey, you were healing. Did you think at all during these bumps and during these sessions that you've just explained, did you think, man, I might have done something more than just ligaments here. I don't know if they give me the wrong diagnosis or were you sort of committed to the fact of, hey, I'm going to work through it. I want to do this wrestling thing. I want to see how far I can go. Yeah, no, it was more the second one. So I, because I saw the x-rays and because I was able mm. to stand on it most of the time, I kind of knew, okay, probably is ligaments or, right. um, okay. yeah, it must've been ligaments. Yeah. Okay. So it was something like that. And I kind of just knew, yeah, I want to get back in as soon as possible. And yep. I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure the next show, cause we're doing monthly shows. I think I managed you because I couldn't wrestle obviously. So I think I, yeah. I think you had your first match and I managed you as a, yeah. <laughs> so I think switch things up a bit. Yeah. So I think what happened was, um, is that we would still go to training. Like you would still show mm. your commitment, things like that. I think you took the next week off. Like I think, cause everything yeah, that was happened, you were getting, off. yeah, I think you were getting yeah. your moon boot or doing your crutches or whatever was necessary. But, um, I definitely remember there being a time, um, when we're at training and there was that sort of area at the end of training where they would sort of go like free time. Like, okay, if you guys want to practice anything that we've done through the session today, if you guys want to learn anything new, depending on how, you know, complicated the move was like, you know, no one was going out there doing moonsaults or anything in their first day, but you no. know, some guys were like, Oh, I want to learn, you know, a power bomb or I want to learn a suplex, whatever. Yeah. So there was, there was times after training there where we'd sort of have a bit of uh, free, free time, I guess, just to, just to talk with the trainers and do whatever we need to do. Um, and I remember Ash and Minx were the first two to pick up on this, where I think just on a whim, I, I didn't think anyone was watching, where I picked up that big blue um, bag that we'd always use to put the practice slams and elbow drops and bumps and things like that. I, I picked yeah. up that bag and I gave it a pedigree. And then afterwards, yeah, yeah. I did the Triple H taught with the water and everything. And I looked over and Ash was laughing. And I'm like, oh, sorry. And he goes, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> and then, and yeah. then Minx got a hold of it too. She saw it. And I remember Hawk coming out and then being like, this is awesome. And Hawk going, what the hell's going on? And then Ash goes, Flash. And I went, yeah. And he goes, show Hawk your, your impression. And I remember being like, oh, no. And then I was like, oh, really? And he goes, yeah, do it. And he goes, what impression? And I do mm. the Triple H thing. I do go through the same sequencing. And then Hawk laughed and he goes, you want to do that on the show? And I went, <laughs> what? Yeah. He goes, you want to do it on the show? Yes or no? And I remember it being that sort of, we spoke about it earlier. It felt like you're in a Hollywood movie going through Europe traveling. I felt like yeah. this. Yeah. I felt like this was back in that dance off moment. I felt like my heartbeat was, my heart was in my throat. The beats were vibrating my Adam's apple. And I remember looking at him and oh. thinking, man, this is the first time that I'm going to either do a match here or I'm not going to be a part of the wrestling thing. Like I wasn't yeah. sure. Just to do a die time. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember going, uh, okay. And he goes, great. And much like my managerial thing with you. Great. Next show you're doing that. Yeah. Straight mm -hmm. on. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, so I had the match with Herc. I came out as like a super fan. Um, you at that point, you weren't on crutches, but you were still no. sort of been, I think you either had it heavily strapped or you had some sort of boot. Um, yeah, yes. I think it was, that was a month that would have been the next month after. So I yeah, think I'd had enough time month. to be, yeah, I was strapping it, but it was, it was okay to walk on and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So we did that match. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, that match <clears throat> that match happened. Who was it against again? It was Hercules, and Kelso was managing him. Oh, uh, yeah. because So, yeah, our first kind of run, our mm-hmm. first little segment was between – it was kind of you and I against Herc and Kelso. That was kind of our first little feud, <laughs> as yeah. it were. Yeah, because yeah. the month before, we'd done that big opening segment where it was um, the Lords of Darkness, it was Kelso and Hercules, it was you and me, and there was another team out there too. I think it was it was uh, maybe Sweetass and Nick Burns. And the yeah. four of us were in the ring trying to compete for, hey, we're the best team out here. Sweetass gives me a boot. I had that pl- blue sparkly cowboy hat on, which, which by yeah. the way, I don't know if you know this, but that was <clears throat> that was a complete rib by Sweetass. On my first day of wrestling, he goes, oh, man, wear this hat out there. And I'm thinking yeah. – Hey, what a nice guy. This is such a big family. <laughs> it was a damn prank on my first day. <laughs> Making you look like an idiot, yeah? Yeah. He admitted to it years later, but that's what happened. Um, so we did that segment. That's how the feud with um, Kelso and Hercules kicked off. You versed mm-hmm. him uh, that night. Injury happened. I versed Herc the next night. But the month after th- this, uh, the month after this show, where I had my first match and you're managing me now, a bit of a role reversal. The mm. next month, your best friend comes up and says, hey, I want to check this thing out too. And we start the early stages of what would then be known as the Rogues. You yes. and I did a tag match. I impersonated Steve Austin. And <laughs> That's right. we yeah. did this tag match. and Against Herc and Kelso? Yeah, yeah. against yeah. Herc and Kelso. And then at the end? I believe, I think we actually won the match and then Kelso and Herc did a beat down on us at the end. Oh, did we? I, think, I wasn't too sure. I couldn't remember if we did or not. Yeah, I, th- I think we won the match. It was just one of those, they were playing the classic heels. They beat you up most of the match and then we got the win, but then they came and beat the hell out of us at the end. Right. And that okay. opened the door for Fury or Glenn to come yeah. in and uh, yeah, do his little leap over the top rope, save mm-hmm. the day and form the Rogues, Blaze right. and Fury. So take me back to behind the scenes of this moment because I, I only knew from the car rides of going to the train that you said, hey, you know, Glenn's going to come up. And and I knew of him obviously knowing you throughout school. Um, mm. But take me back to that conversation. Did he just come up and you and were you talking to him this whole time about maybe putting the band together as it would? Yeah. So Glenn and I had been wrestling on the trampoline together since we were in about year two. So right. we ever since we were little kids, we wanted to be the Hardy Boys. And later the Motor City Machine Guns, that was kind of our thing. We just wanted to be a tag <laughs> yeah. team. That was our dream. Yeah, they were yeah. kind of our two main teams that were, you know, idols to us. So we, we, we'd, we'd always talk because we moved apart. I used to live in Sydney, New South Wales area as well. Um, so I moved up here and he, st- he went back to Canberra. So he was living in Canberra. We'd always talk on the phone. We're best friends all the way through our life, basically. Um, so every time we catch up on the phone, I'd be telling him like, oh, it's so cool. Like imagine if we wrestled one day and we'd always talk about it and we'd make ourselves on the, you know, like Nintendo 64 games, we'd kind of make ourselves as characters and all that kind of stuff. So we're always obsessed with it, dreaming of doing it one day. And I remember the very first time, this is kind of backstepping a bit here, but the very first time um, after I talked to Guy Belgrove, who was the the guy that told me about IPW, um, I went to my first show and I remember the, the things that stand out was I remember seeing Guy wrestle because he was he was in like a six man tag with Sweet Ass and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And from the moment I saw Sweet Ass, he's just he cracks. I can't help but crack up every time I watch him wrestle because he's the most entertaining wrestler ever. Um, <laughs> I just he's like the Ric Flair of IPW. He's just that you just can't help but laugh at him. He's just amazing. Yeah. Um, so I remember seeing Sweet Ass wrestle. Um, I remember Ash as well. I remember being very taken by Ash because I thought. Cause I love sting stings one like probably my top two or three wrestlers of all time. So I remember seeing Ash thinking like this guy's sick cause he's got the face paint and the long hair and everything. And um, I remember thinking he was awesome. And I remember the thing that stood out to me as well. The main thing that kind of really planted the seed of I could do this was I remember seeing Kelso versus Hercules. 
And at the time, mm-hmm. so thanks to Kelso and Hercules if they're listening, but I remember at the time they were the only two young guys. Everyone else was big, you know, big muscly um, in their at least 20s plus kind of thing. And these guys were like teenagers doing it. So I remember seeing Kelso and Hurt come out and I remember thinking like these guys are pretty close to my age and they're doing it like they're actually wrestling here. And I thought that, that kind of straight away, that was what set the fire was seeing those two wrestle. So I remember ringing up Glenn straight after the show and going, you will not believe what I've just seen. I've just gone to an actual pro wrestling, like has an actual ring, actual characters on the Gold Coast here. Um, and I remember specifically saying I saw these two young guys called Kelso and Herc and they wrestled. And I remember thinking like there's room, um, there's room for expansion because it was only those two. So I was like, they need other people to verse. Um, there wasn't many high flying people at the time. And that's what, that's what Glenn and I wanted to be. So I remember thinking there's, there's room for us in this, in this promotion, like we could actually do this. So talking to Glenn, as soon as I saw the first show, I was talking to him about it. He was straight away. You could just hear the eagerness in his voice as well. That like, Oh, this is sick. We, we should definitely try and do this one day. But because he was living down in Canberra, um, he was so far away and obviously we only just finished school. So we're pretty young. And, um, uh, so yeah, it kind of didn't really seem like an option at the time being, but a few months down the track, so probably about maybe eight months into me wrestling, the opportunity came up that Glenn could move up and live with my family and we could actually start doing this wrestling stuff. So Glenn moved up here and I think same thing with him. He picked it up super fast. Um, and because we kind of had the idea of what we wanted to be as a tag team already, I think Hawk was straight away like keen on it. Um, Mm. and yeah, so basically he just came to a few training sessions, I think probably only about three or four weeks as well. And then, um, Hawk put him on that show and it was easy because the first show he's obviously just doing a sort of run in. So it wasn't a full on match. Right. Okay. So that moment happens. Uh, Glenn's up here now. It's a full-time gig. He's, he's Mm. picking it up fast. Like you are. The Mm -hmm. idea comes of, uh, putting this, the team together, you get matching gear made. Uh, who came up with the idea of the name? Ah, I can't remember. Like we used to talk about all the time. Um, but the thing, so going, talking about names, just to backstep a bit as well with names. So I remember my name, uh, blaze for wrestling wasn't really a first choice. I just kind of, I think Hawk told me, go, go away and make a list of names and come back next week with just a list of possible names that you might be okay with or whatever. So I kind of just put together a real generic list of names like this kind of sounds cool or whatever. Um, and I remember blaze was on there obviously, cause I don't hate it, but it definitely wasn't my first choice. Um, mm-hmm. and I remember reading them out to Hawk and straight away was like, yeah, blaze, that's it. You're going to be blaze. Um, <laughs> and I was kind of like, oh, okay, I guess so. Um, and I remember I really wanted to be blue or green cause they're my favorite colors. And I was like, oh, blaze kind of, you think of fire and I don't want to be like this, you know, have to wear like fire tights or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of yeah, what yeah. was pitching it as at the start. So um, I wasn't too keen on it, but obviously you're not going to really say no to Hawk when you're that young and don't know what the hell's going on. So sure. I was like, sweet, I'm, I'm Blaze. Um, and then anyway, so got started. And when Glenn came up, Hawk was like trying to think of a name for us to go together. So he, for some, for whatever reason, it might be an old movie or something, but um, yeah, Blaze and Fury was just went well together. It sounded, it sounded good together. So he gave Glenn the name Fury um, and same thing with Glenn. He wasn't overly keen on it, um, but that's just kind of what we had. So we kind of thought, all right, let's come up with a tag team name that's ours that we can choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the and the idea, I guess, for us is we always, uh, yeah, our characters were kind of like a mix between that sort of Hardy Boys, Motor City Machine Guns, how they kind of got that like punky, almost like, oh, it's hard to explain. Like Even like Lost Boys, you know, like the Lost Boys Rufio. Is it pirate inspired at one yeah, point? Yeah, kind of piratey inspired. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like kind of piratey, kind of punky kind of like you're in a like sort of street kids gang kind of look almost yeah. it's kind of a mix between all that. So we kind of, that was the vibe we were going for. And we thought, you know, going through names and we thought the rogues that kind of perfectly 
uh, displayed what we were trying to go for. Like we're real rogues. We're kind of different to everybody else. We're kind of like out on our own, you know, that kind of vibe. Okay. So you guys came up with that name. Yeah. Man, we then go on a pretty hot streak now. Well, funnily enough, actually, just funnily yeah. enough, the first night, so Glenn came out and did that run-in. The next show, because I was Slam Nation champion at the time. I don't know yeah. if you remember that. So yeah, I was yeah, the, yeah. like cruiserweight champion. Um, and so the next show, Glenn and I both actually had separate singles matches because I had to drop the belt. So I think I dropped it to Kelso, I think. Yeah, I dropped the belt to Kelso. And then Fury versus Mystery, that was his first match as well, I think. Um, and then the next show after that was when we actually officially kind of joined, but we were wearing the same gear and everything. So it was kind of odd, but, and you were managing both of us. So, yeah. but yeah. Cause we did that double header show. Uh, Cause I remember that show, we lost a belt and then we had a show, I think it was the next day on the Sunday and yes. we ended up doing like a battle Royal, but yeah, that, but, no, that was the, um, I've actually got video footage of that somewhere, but it was the, remember the thing where Hawk used to spin the wheel? It was like a roulette. Yeah. He had that wheel. Yeah. yeah. And we had, we kind of had that, I think that was a few months later, but yeah, we had a couple of separate matches and we versed Pirates and Ninjas as well. So we had a few matches on the same night, but yeah, it was kind of a, yeah, there's a lot of shows in that sort of small period of time, but um, yeah, it was about six to eight months there probably where we had just consecutive yeah, yeah. tag we, team matches. We went, a, we went on a big run. We had a lot of those mm. uh, young kids that were at that Bicentennial shows month to month. <laughs> yeah. And oh, we got good old Bicentennial Center. Yeah. We got flooded. There was a couple of shows there, man, where I think every kid and young adult in the building wanted either either a photo or wanted an autograph of, of all three of us. And it was yeah. nuts. It kind of just all seemingly happened overnight. But it was yeah, it weird. Was a, it was, I think it was just a combination of, um, Glenn and I were wrestling well as a tag team. We were young and we were the baby faces. So automatically you're going to get help. Uh, and then, cause you were also on the outside. So entertaining, you kind of reached that younger kid audience. So it, it just worked well. Yeah. Um, but to, I'm, I'm going to have to drop a, drop a massive bomb here. We kind of cheated though in this, um, because we actually had a lot of people that we knew come to the shows a lot. We oh, just were lucky man. enough to have people from like church or wherever, <laughs> uh, and friends. So we, so I think we kind of, <laughs> inadvertently manipulated the audiences because we'd have, you know, 15, 20 people who were just there to see us. So they'd go absolutely ballistic in our matches. But mm. then that kind of helped the rest of the audience get into the match. And then it went from there and they got into the matches with us. So it was like, yeah, it was kind of accidentally cheating, but it worked well. <laughs> we had the plants. <laughs> but, uh, man, what worked even better was uh, after we do this hot run, we build to you guys finally accomplishing your boyhood dream together, which was mm. that you and Glenn – Taking it from the trampoline all those years ago to now in that yeah. ring and winning tag team championships together. What was that moment like for you two? Yeah, that was absolutely incredible. So the, the lead up to that was we had we had probably a few months where we were kind of feuding with Ash and Scorn. Yeah. Um, and so that was – and I've talked to Glenn about this multiple times and we've always said this, so if they ever listen to this, um, Ash and Scorn were always our favourite opponents. It was just a mix of – I think we just had good chemistry with them for some reason. Like I think it was the mix of – they were such good heels and they were such a big bruising kind of tag team, especially Scorn, such a big bruiser. And then we were kind of like the the nice baby face sort of um, fast paced, high flying kind of tag team. So it just, it just sort of went perfectly together. Mm. Um, and, and obviously the big thing was they were veterans, especially Ash at the time, I think was, um, had been wrestling for a long, long time. So it just worked perfectly. They were able to guide us through the matches and yeah, Ash was such a massive, um, like, I don't know if I ever told him, but if he's listening, just can't say thank you enough to him because he was, and I'm sure most people went to IPW, but he was such a good trainer and such a good person. Cause I had my very first match against him. Mm. Um, he's just such a good guy, such a good guy, such a good trainer. So quietly spoken and humble. 
um, but always did the right thing by us and always guided us the right way and told us the right things and helped us do the right things. Um, and so, yeah, Glenn and I are always been forever grateful for those matches with Ash and Scorn and how much fun they were. And, um, yeah, even rewatching them back on video, it's, I, I, every few years might just whip out the video and, uh, it's just good fun watching those matches. So yeah, can't say thank you enough to Ash and Scorn, but hey. even though, even though they hurt, they hurt like hell every time they hit <laughs> us, but it's good fun. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you kind of lead into it here, man. Speaking yeah. of hurting like hell, I got a bone to pick with you, man. And I've always yeah. wondered this, and I've never had the chance to ask you this, but I thought, hey, we're talking about history here. Might as well bring it up now. I think it was only maybe a show or two after you guys won the gold that we were all there having the pre-show meeting. Yeah. And Hawk, out of no, yeah. Hawk said at the pre-show meeting, uh, he ran through the card and oh, he said, yeah. by the way, uh, Blaze of Fury, this will be the last show. So, yep. Any questions? Nope. All right. <laughs> go to the show. Man. Yeah. The bone yes. I have to pick with you guys is that you guys didn't come to me before this. I found out the minute the rest of the roster found out. What Did was you? going oh, on? Oh, man. What I, happened? Yeah. It's, yeah. So, basically what happened was Glenn, through various different circumstances, was going to move back to Canberra. That was the main okay. catalyst for it all. all right. So. Okay he basically had to move back to Canberra and at the time, cause I was, I was getting quite sore. Like I know it's a weak excuse cause many of the wrestlers do it for many years, but they usually do it hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I was quite sore at the time for whatever reason. And I think that was my second injury. I had, um, I did a DDT to scorn at training and he's not a small man by any means. Sorry, scorn. <laughs> um, but I did a DDT and his shoulder and all of his body weight through his shoulder landed on my rib cage. And I remember spraining my rib cage and that was just so, so painful. So I think it was around that time. Um, so when Glenn came to me and said, you know, he's going to be moving back to Canberra, I right. think because that was obviously a big hurt for like not hurt, but a big hit for me that my tag sure. team partner was going, that was the main thing I wanted to do in wrestling was being a tag team like that. Yep. Um, and due to being a bit hurt at the time, it just kind of was like, okay, well maybe if Glenn's got to go, then it might be a good time for me just to have a break at least. Um, yep. I think mine was always a break mine. Cause I, as we'll get to, I did come back multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it was more of a break for me, whereas Glenn was kind of indefinitely. Um, yeah. So I remember, I think, I think we only decided like the finality of it that day. So we went and told Hawk first as like kind of a respect thing for Hawk. Sure. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure that was kind of sorry for years ago, not telling you as well. <laughs> I don't know why we didn't do that. I can't, I honestly can't remember that specifically, but yeah, I remember that the last match and yeah, it was quite sad and things like that. So um, yeah. So and it was, it, it was, was hard that, for you because <laughs> yeah, you know what was, you're going to do. Yeah. I hear that announcement, man. And there's a lot of like frowning and a lot of confusion on everyone's faces. And I was just like, I felt the blood drain from my face because yeah, I, I thought like, does that mean I have to go? And you guys were just sort of like, we just, we just need to have a break. Like it's not forever. And, but I do yeah, remember yeah. being in the locker room after the end of the show and sitting with you guys and it was the three of us and the match had happened. You guys did the, did the right thing. You, you dropped the titles back. And I think the question was brought up um, where it was like, well, this is what we're doing. What do you want to do? And I make reference in a couple of earlier episodes on here, which I've been saying throughout this episode, is that I've, I remember have, sitting there with you guys and finding it to be the mix of like, it was a really big yin and yang moment. It was like the hardest and yet somewhat the easiest decision I had to make hard because you guys had been not only influential to me in the wrestling career that all three of us see when we started months apart together, but specifically with you, because I didn't have that history with Glenn at that point, but specifically with you, I was like, man, like 
this sucks because it, yeah, it felt yeah. like it felt like high school all over again where basically yeah you know a situation happened where i had to sort of stay back and you graduated the year before me and it was a circumstance that was out of my control and here i was now doing a wrestling thing which had no sort of grades or assignments or anything like that but i was like man i i don't i feel like i'm going to lose this guy again now but i completely sympathize with the fact that hey you're hurt you're banged up i'm not going to force you to be here if you if you're hurt yeah. But that's how I was feeling at that age because I was like, man, we we I felt like we just started, and it was like playing yeah. a new. It was like getting a new video game, and then the power going out in your house. It was like, <laughs> damn it, yeah. like why now? But I remember sitting there with you guys, and I'll never forget this emotion because it was all like, although we didn't say it, I I kind of got the vibe from you guys where it was like, oh, he'll he might come with us, and if he does, then that's okay, and we get it if he does. But I said to mm. you guys, no, I think I'm gonna stay. And the yeah. reception from you guys was like a, oh, it wasn't like a, oh, passive aggressive. It was like a, oh, oh, yeah, okay. Like it was very yeah. much accepted. There was no ill will there. But I remember just no. finding that such an, such an awkward thing to tell you guys. And it shouldn't be because in the grand scheme of things, it's not like a, we're losing each other's house or having an arm amputation <laughs> yeah. or anything like dire yeah. like that. At but the time, man, though. Seems, at the time for all yeah. three of us, knowing that we had pretty much come off this hot streak of starting our careers together to be mm -hmm. told, yeah, nah. And yeah. yeah, you were gone for quite some time. I stayed on board. And it wasn't until 2012 um, mm. that you got back in the ring. You'd come back at training a few times. You did that assignment slash DVD on me. And, yeah. Um, we'd always kept in contact to the best of our ability at that time. But yeah. fill me in on these gaps because... Yes, yeah, so, so... So from 2009 to 2012... You're obviously not yeah. in the ring. What's happening for you at life at this point? Yes, yeah, so 2009, 2012. Well, okay, so basically stopped wrestling and, and finished university at that stage. And the, the so the next point, I remember, because I was just kind of doing normal life, doing uni, going through film school, um, was when I had a documentary assignment. Um, so this would have been like 2009, it must have been at that stage. I can't, I can't yeah. remember the exact year, but... Uh, in my final year of uni and I had a documentary to make. I remember the film, the film teacher for that class. Um, she'd worked for SBS and all this kind of stuff. She was really passionate about documentary. And I remember she's like, you know, you've got to find a story that people want to hear. You've got to find a story that, that people care about and that's interesting and different and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of immediately remember thinking, well, I was a wrestler. Like well, I am a wrestler, you know, you're kind of once a wrestler, always a wrestler. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of thought, well, what's, what's an interesting story I can tell in pro wrestling because that's different to anybody else in the class can do. Um, and I remember specifically straight away thinking like, what about James? James has the most interesting story of just about anyone I've ever heard. Um, and you know, like you can tell the story about his life and, um, having cancer and all that kind of stuff as a kid. Um, and then going through all that heartache and then to get to living his dream as a pro wrestler, which is kind of all the cards stacked against you. So, um, I remember pitching it to her and she, she was loving it. She was like, this is a great idea. Yep. Definitely do it. Um, and I ended up getting a, a HD. So um, oh. thanks, James. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got a like hundred percent on that one. So did awesome. well, but, um, yeah. So the, so basically I remember going to see Hawk. I remember ringing up Hawk and then going into seam and pitching the idea. Um, and he was all for it because he obviously knew who I was and trusted me. He was very against most media and social media and yeah, he was. that kind of stuff. So he was, he was fine with me though. Cause he knew who I was. Um, and yeah, so basically made this documentary about you and about your life and then about pro wrestling. And mm -hmm. it was at that time, cause we obviously had to come to some of the shows in, um, film. And w it was at that time that IPW was running shows out of the sweatshop. Yeah. So it was like maybe a year or so it was happening. 
Um, and at this time, a lot of the wrestlers that kind of started training when I was there um, mm. was actually on the show. So I remember, you know, people like RIP started just after me. Um, he was kind of like one of the main people there at this stage. Um, mm. And even like Mystery was uh, Kelso, those kind of guys. They were, um, yeah, they were kind of like wrestling on the shows now. And it was, it was really cool to see. And that kind of got me a bit excited again. It was like, oh, there's new people to wrestle. It's a bit different now. It's been a couple of years. Um, so I kind of started getting ideas already starting mm. to fantasize as it were. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And I think we were actually there for a show filming. Um, and I was sitting at ringside, <laughs> the fear in my heart. I remember when, um, they, we had a Royal rumble match going on or a rumble match happening. Um, right. and I remember Hawk coming up to me because the match was just going, but like, it was great. The crowd was into it. Everyone was going crazy. And Hawk just running up to me and being like, Blaze, get in there, get in there. And I was wearing civilian, you know, normal clothes, jeans, <laughs> t-shirt. And I was like, uh, what? Like, you're, what? You want me to jump in there? And he's like, get in there, Blaze. And he's you know, yelling at me. I'm like, oh, all right, I guess I'll jump in there. And I remember running in there. I think DVD was in there, <laughs> like RIP and all these people. And so I just ran in there and had this, um, had this rumble appearance out of nowhere. Um, I can't even, I can't remember what happened. I don't remember who won, if I won or someone else won. I don't remember, but Mm -hmm. yeah, basically that happened. And I was kind of like, yeah, that was pretty fun. I could definitely give it another couple of matches again. Um, and I think, yeah, so I think it was the next couple of shows, like maybe another two or three matches after that. I remember doing a tag team match with you. I don't remember who against, but yeah, it was in the sweatshop there. Um, so yeah, we did a a few little matches there, a couple of little reunion matches for us. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that was interesting time. Um, and I think that was kind of like always the idea was just, oh, it'd be fun to do a few more matches again. But basically, um, yeah, I just did a few matches and went on another hiatus. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that time, I decided that um, I was going to become a film and television teacher. Right. So I went, went back to uni for another year after that, did my teaching degree. And uh, yeah, so it was kind of probably about 2012, I'd say, 2013, I started getting that wrestlers itch again and anyone who's a wrestler who's ever wrestled gets it and I remember saying to my wife like you know I'm actually kind of missing wrestling still and I wouldn't mind giving another few matches just for some fun uh, just to enjoy it so I remember going down to the PCYC where they were training at the time seeing Hawk again he's and Hawk was always so uh lovely to me like he was always like as harsh as he is he's always harsh exterior but he was always inviting every time I came um he'd always welcome me back with open arms basically he's always great Mm -hmm. Um, so I remember seeing him and he was like, yeah, love, love to have you back on the show as soon as you're ready. So that was kind of my third run where basically that was just, again, just a, just a chance to get back and have a few matches, have some fun, see the guys again. I, I guess that was one of the big draws and you'd probably feel the same, um, is one of the biggest things about going back to do a couple of matches is it's half of it's obviously doing the actual wrestling, but the other half is just, it's really good to just see everybody again. And you kind of yeah. Yeah, get, get to see have- all the boys and, and the ladies that wrestle there. So. Yeah, I mean, it is like yeah. a family locker room. Like, it, I've never mm-hmm. uh, I've never experienced another locker room because I've been able to work in various federations around Queensland in the years that I've been doing it. But, man, there's yeah. nothing like – and maybe it's because we started there, but I will say yeah, yeah. overall, if you're good to that place, if you're good to IPW and you happen to leave for a couple of years, be it life or whatever's going on, but you come yeah. back, it's Man, it's one of the, it's one of the only places where it's like seeing old family members. It's like getting together old for a family, family barbecue yeah. and being like, "Hey, so what's been happening?" That's right. And you're like, "Oh, it's That's been right. six years, but it's it doesn't feel yeah. like it." Actually, we had you'll probably appreciate this because um, when was it? Maybe last year. 
uh, Glenn actually was here to visit quickly. Um, so Glenn and I actually went to an IPW show and um, we actually had a moment where we got to go see Ashen Scorn and give them both a big hug. It was the first time the Rogues and Ashen Scorn had been in the same uh, vicinity <laughs> for eight, seven years or something. So that was that was pretty cool. I got to just nestle my head in Scorn's lovely beard and just <laughs> sing sweet lullabies. It was lovely. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but honestly, it was cool. It was a really cool moment and seeing sweet ass. Yeah, it's great seeing those guys again. But hey, speaking of moments, man, this is, mm. I got another question for you because the word on the wire was that because um, I'd been away from the company, I left in 2013 <laughs> and I had gone and, mm-hmm. and I'd started doing other things. But I got invited back uh, in 2019 to come and do the reunion show. Now, there was word on the yes. wire. There was word on the wire at that time that both your name and Glenn's name was on the bill. But come show day, no rogues. So tell me yes. man, what was going on what happened yeah so it was uh it was a hard time basically i guess glenn and i kind of was talking about it and we thought you know if we ever if we ever do go back for a match we want to do it together that was kind of a big thing for us i guess um so we we're kind of like yeah if we're gonna go back to wrestling and do one more final match i want to do it as a tag team because i've done a few you know probably a handful of matches here and there since glenn had been in wrestling um but I guess by this stage being, you know, a little bit older and <laughs> all that kind of stuff, we were like, you know, if we do it, let's just do it for that. That'd be good fun. Um, and so basically we were looking at possibly doing it and I won't go into too much detail because this is kind of Glenn's story to tell, I suppose, sure. uh, in, in however much depth he wants to go into. Basically, um, Glenn was dealing with some personal things at the time and he was um, in the middle of moving from, um, he was at uh, Warwick at the time. Um, so he was in the middle at this stage of moving from Warwick back down to Canberra. So it was just a really poor timing, unfortunately, that it had to happen at that date. Mm. Um, and basically Glenn had to say, hey, look, I just can't do it because of the timing. Um, and so, yeah, I was kind of like, all right, that's fine. We'll, um, we'll leave, we'll postpone our rogues reunion to a further date in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe one day. Yeah, man. We'll never say never, right? Yeah. Never say never. That's exactly right. You come back in 2012, you have, you have the match, you have a little bit of a run there, but hey, something was going on for you at that point because it wasn't too long after that that you went, you know what, I've scratched the itch, I'm not really, uh, I've ticked a few boxes here, but I'm not sure if I can stay around too long. And you decided after the third bit here, we're in 2012, you thought, hey, yeah, this has been fun, but uh, I got to adios, I got I to head out of here. Was that all it was? You just wanted to come back for a bit and just you know, feel that vibe again and then go, all right, I've got that out of my system? It was, yeah. So it, it was kind of, I didn't really plan like whether it was going to be short or long to come back that third time. And I did, I said, did a few matches there. Um, but it, I think to be honest, it was not having Glenn there. It sounds really sappy, but I love that man. But he, yeah, not having Glenn there, not having <laughs> yeah. Fury next to me, it kind of, it just wasn't as, it sounds silly, but just what well, I'm, I'm very passionate about tag team wrestling. So sure. missing your tag team partner, it did, I did struggle a bit to be as passionate about it. Um, but on top of that as well, in personal life, I'd um, just gotten married about a year before that. Yeah, um, so, or maybe probably a couple of years at that stage before that. And um, we actually um, had our little girl sway uh, not long after that. So I think becoming a dad and having a little girl, obviously um, things shift and things have to change. Things have to give to have time for family and everything outside of work. So at that time as well. Um, and for the last few years, obviously that takes priority. And um, yeah, so just been enjoying family life. I'm loving being married to my wife and having that little princess of mine. So, yeah, it's been great. Man, I remember, uh, I remember getting the invite. Um, I remember sitting in there in that church and seeing you get married, and I thought, man, I've been so lucky to 
have the, to have this person on my first ever day in the state not only be my friend all those many moons ago when no one else was going to be my friend, but yeah. and man, it just felt so good. It felt like I was sort of witnessing the biography of of the man <laughs> known as Tim, and I'm sitting there and he's and he's penning the last page and going the end, and I'm going, man, <laughs> this is such yeah. It had been such a wild ride because I'd been there in, in the ups that we had. And, hey, there was a lot of times there in high school where both you and I experienced some downers of downs. But yeah, we'd always reached out and we'd always made sure that both of us were doing okay. And mm-hmm. I just got to tell you that from the heart, man, it was so awesome to be there. And I, I really took it as a privilege and a complete honor. And I was just so happy for you. And, uh, yeah, I I just really wanted to let you know that I, I really appreciate and uh yeah, I love you a lot, man. And, and you know, you just, it just was so great to just be there and to celebrate with you on that day. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Love you too, brother. Absolutely. Oh, see ya. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. See ya. No, no. It's, uh, it's, yeah. I don't know what to say to that because it's just, thank you. I can't say much more than thank you. But yeah, it's a, I just think it's the best thing to hear with people like yourself who you've gone through life with. As long as they are, you know, people that you care about think that highly of you, that's kind of like to me a sign that you've won. That's winning. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're winning life if you're doing it the right way. So, uh, yeah, no, thank you. It was a, yeah, best day of my life at that point. And it's obviously honored to have you there as well. Where are you yeah. at now? Are you still teaching? Yeah. So I'm still uh, um, film and television senior teacher. And obviously things are pretty crazy with the coronavirus stuff at the moment. So I, yeah. it's just going to be crazy coming up. But yeah, still doing that, still at the same school. Um, yeah, really enjoying that. Got some great people I work with there. Um, yeah. And just like being a dad, it's like obviously, the greatest, the, I always say this to my friends, especially if you don't have kids, having a child is the best and hardest thing you'll ever do. Like, mm. you know, going through all those late nights and early mornings and all the hard stuff and their attitude sometimes. And when they chuck tantrums, um, it's obviously yeah, very taxing, but just the best thing you'll ever do in your life. So just trying to enjoy every minute of her life and, um, yeah. And then enjoying every minute of my marriage as well. It's couldn't be happier. And my wife's amazing and yeah, absolutely love it. Well, man, we're getting to the wrap up of the podcast now. I have a couple of segments coming up. It's been an mm-hmm. absolute blast to catch up with you. We've talked yeah. about the history of you. We've talked about our combined careers together. And hey, we even cleared up why you decided to leave. And I had no idea, but we cleared it up. <laughs> there you and go. At this point in time, I want to get inside that brain. I want to get inside that brain, not only as Blaze, but as Tim, as the teacher, as the wrestler, as my friend. <laughs> This segment of the podcast is called a deep dive where I'm going to ask you some questions that only you yourself can give your own unique spin and answer to. So Blaze, you ready for the deep dive? I I hope so. I hope so. (laughs) All right, man. Straight (laughs) off the bat, trying to go, trying to go for a home run. Okay. What was a turning point in your life? How did it affect you and how did you overcome it? Oh, uh, that's a, that is a big question. Little man. Um, (laughs) I don't even know. Okay. I'm going to, not long after my wife and I broke and got married, um, her brother passed away. Okay. Um, so he, yeah, took his own life. Um, wow. This is going back, you know, eight, eight or nine years now. Yeah. Um, so that was obviously a very extremely traumatic and hard thing um, mm-hmm. to go through as a newlywed couple. And then obviously for my family now, like my in-laws. Um, so having something like that happen in your life really does change your perspective on life and change how you view things and that you don't take the small things for granted. Um, so that was probably, yeah, one of the things that stands out to me as a huge turning point in my life. 
Man, yeah. So it was a it was a uh, roll, bit of a roller coaster there. You had this absolute high of, "Hey, we're married. This is happening. This is all awesome." And then you had that tragedy hit you not long after. Yeah. So it was just such a hard time to see people you love so much go through such a hard journey, um, and also so inspiring to see, you know, like Brogan's parents be able to push on still through all of that. Like I couldn't even possibly imagine what they felt. Um, and to, yeah, to be able to sort of push on and still kind of be a positive people, you know, it's like a, it's to me, it's very, very inspiring. So, yeah, yeah, man, no, that's, uh, that's just some profound, uh, this is just a profound approach to, to life situations. I'm always been under the mantra and Hey, maybe I got it from you all those years ago, but I've always been under the mantra of there is always a bigger positive to a negative situation. And sometimes when that yeah. negative situation hits and it's hitting you, and it looks a bit doom and gloom and everything at that point is like, no, there's no way to look at this and appreciate anything other than just to go through those negative motions and eventually come out the other side. But mm-hmm. when you do come out that other side, usually those positive moments start coming in and Hey, it sounds like now that even though there was that tragedy and even though that that memory will remain, it is, it's allowed you to appreciate, Hey, what, let's not take life for granted. Let's every moment counts. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. And exactly um, I know you're a teacher. You state, stated you're a teacher. Yeah. But if you're not reading the school books and handing out assignments, do you yourself read? And if you do, <laughs> what book do you normally reread? Okay. Yes, I do read a bit, especially more in my older golden years now. In my <laughs> now that I'm 30. No, I do read. I really, um, I actually do a lot of theology and philosophy kind of reading, which is right. maybe something. <laughs> um, yeah, some people might find it kind of weird. Um, but I do enjoy reading sort of Christian theology and Christian philosophy and also, um, you know, science and that kind of stuff. So I enjoy that. Uh, and I also, I'm a bit of a sucker for fantasy. So I do enjoy like Lord of the Rings, um, those kind of novels like that, fantasy novels. So yeah, bit of okay. a sucker for that stuff. <laughs> hey man, we've all got our vices, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can look back on your life, Ben, and you've had a pretty successful run, not only as a wrestler, but as a human being and as a teacher. But how would you... How would you define success? How would I define success? There's yeah. a big one again. Yeah. Um, hey, hence the name of the podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I should have known. I should have known. Um, I'd say success to me, the most oh, – this is profound. Um, I'm going to say, yes, yeah, success is truly finding happiness. Yeah. I think that's that's a huge success to me. So I don't think – like don't get me wrong, money makes life easier and all that kind of stuff and we need money and you need – a job, you need career and all that kind of stuff. But to me, it's like finding, finding what can make you happy, what can make you truly happy. And, um, and it, I feel like I'm saying cliches here, but yeah, just, you know, being able to be happy with your family and happy with your life and, um, happy doing the small things. Um, mm-hmm. to me, if you can do that on top of what I said before, if you can make a positive impact on people's lives and mm-hmm. leave, leave more positive than negative when, when you leave the earth, um, then I think that's success to me. Again. Positive outlooks is key here. I'm trying. I'm trying. Hey, so you had a successful run as a wrestler. We touched on and we explained in this episode. But hey, now looking back on your career, that isn't over. But looking back so far as what you've done so far, what would you tell yourself if you were starting out now? If I was starting out now, I think, number one, it's going to hurt. I think that's one big shock that a lot of people get into wrestling thinking it right. doesn't hurt or it's not. Gonna, it's going to be easy. You know, oh, it'll be like a trampoline. But 
even, you know, and you know this all too well, even just running the ropes hurts. Like even mm-hmm. just running against those ropes actually hurts. So I think that's the first thing is it's going to hurt to so be prepared for that. Um, and I think second thing is you need to listen to the people who are older than you. You need to have that humbleness, that uh, humility that, um, you know, these guys have been doing it for a long time and they've got a lot to share and they've got a lot to show you. So you need to listen and take on board and know that they know better than you. Not that, you know, like you don't know anything basically. <laughs> All right. This is the part of the podcast now, which I like to call the Lipton Six. This is in tribute of James Lipton, who sadly we lost earlier this year in March 2020. He was an American writer, lyricist, actor, and the dean of the Actors Studio Drama School at Pace University in New York City, where he hosted and ran his TV show Inside the Actors Studio from 1994 to 2018. So, in honor and tribute of him, I'm going to ask you his famous six questions that he would ask all his guests before wrapping up his interview. So, are you ready for the Lipton Six? I, I, I hope so. I hope I'm ready. <laughs> all right, man. First First question off the rank. What is your favorite word? <laughs> um, rogue. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Rogues. All right. <laughs> what turns you on? Now, you can – that could be the way you're thinking or it could be in a way of, hey, I'm really happy about this. I get excited about that. It could be in an energy way too. <laughs> uh, my wife, Brogan. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Got to be safe. Got to be safe. Yep. <laughs> hey, no questions asked. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? <laughs> um, music. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Just any music, any type of genre? Just, just yeah, pretty much any good music. <laughs> <laughs> sweet, sweet neoclassical music. There you go. <laughs> okay. There's going to be a few people Googling that answer. All right. <laughs> Please, I know you don't do this a lot, but when you do, it's very, uh, I could say, profound. What is your favorite swear word? <sighs> hmm. <laughs> Man, I've, I've known you. I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't swear, so if I'm going to swear, you've got to make it a good one. There you go. Man, I've known you for 17 years, and even I still get giggly when you swear. <laughs> There you go. Hey, if you weren't teaching, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, if it's not wrestling, like being an obvious one, and not teaching, I'd love to be a like in a professional band, touring yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah. Tra- yeah. Traveling musical artist, a solo or in a band? Uh, I'm not good enough singer to be solo, but yeah, we'll go band. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? <laughs> okay. Uh, I'd like, oh man, this is a profound question because I wouldn't say I necessarily subscribe to the ordinary Christian viewpoint on everything, but I think I'd just, I think I'd like him to say, you got my heart. So meaning you got the point of what God was trying to portray to us. So not, I don't want to be known as like religious. I don't want to be known as someone who did all the right things or, you know, goes to church or anything like that. I want to be known as someone who got what his message was, if that makes sense. All right, man. We're going to hit that nitrous into overdrive. We're going to slam on that pedal Vin Diesel style, and we're going to drive all the way to this finish line before riding off into the sunset. I'm going to hit you now with what I call the final four. This podcast okay. before we call it a day. Blaze, all right. final four coming at you. First question. Was there ever a point in your life where you thought, hey, this isn't going to work. This uh, This might not be for me. 
Funnily enough, when I was studying teaching at university, I wanted to quit. Really? Because I hated doing my my first prac was at a really hard school. Um, It wasn't fun. The person who had me as a prac, like my prac teacher was not very nice. And um, luckily my wife, who was my fiance at the time, uh, helped me get through it. But yeah, luckily I did, but I really wanted to quit. Now I've been a teacher for almost nine years, so. Wow. There you go. Hey, speaking of which, you might have uh, touched on that just there, but I'm going to ask you this question anyway. Mm -hmm. Have you ever stopped and thought, man, how the hell did I get here? (laughs) Uh, To be honest, being in that whole coronavirus situation, that was one of those like, what the hell is going on? Why am I stuck overseas? Why can't we get home? All this kind of, yeah, it was, that's probably my situation that stands out the most. At the age you are... Now, looking back at high school, did you ever think back then, at the age you're at now, that this is where you would be? Ooh, I think, yes, I didn't think too much about the future at that age, which is a problem for most teenagers. But yes, I think kind of the life I'm living now is pretty close to what I thought my life would turn out to be. Obviously, you have dreams of like, I could be in the WWE one day, or I could be a famous musician or something like that. Um, but in, you know, down to earth reality sense, yes, it's pretty close to what I would have imagined. Currently, what is your proudest moment or achievement? Proudest moment or achievement is easily marrying my wife and having my daughter. I know it sounds cliche, but um, yeah, that moment of becoming a dad is just a whole nother level. Anyone who's experienced it just completely takes your breath away when they come out. So that's, um, yeah, that's my proudest moment is seeing my wife push out my daughter and being proud of my wife to do that, experiencing holding your child for the first time. I might get emotional here, but yeah, that's kind of my proudest moment. Man, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't accept any other answer. If you had said yeah. something else, like having my first match, I'd be like, uh-uh, no, thank you. Yeah. Not accepting that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, I don't think my wife would have accepted it either. <laughs> Nor yeah, my daughter. Be... She's, she's got the attitude too. She would be like, daddy. Well, there'd be uh, some awkward uh, watching of the TV very quietly if that answer was uh, the one you had chosen. But I'm glad you had chose that. And hey, there's going to be some loud TV watching and all the happy smiles. Hopefully, hearing this podcast and being being acceptive of that answer. All right, man, we've touched on pretty much all of about you up until now. We've shared life together. We've shared Ingrid moments together. And, hey, you are in a good place now. You're a father. You're a teacher. You're still possibly still a wrestler. But, hey, at the end of the day, <laughs> to me, you'll always be family. You'll always be my friend. And I really appreciate you coming on here, man. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for doing this, man. No, it's been great. It's been a pleasure. It's been a lovely stroll down memory lane. But hey, where can, before you head off, where can people find you on social media? You don't do the wrestling now, but I know you're still a creative guy. So, hey, where can we find you? Yeah, okay. So basically, um, it's a bit of a long-winded answer, but I do I do produce music for a cause. Um, so there's this Christian organization called um, Destiny Rescue, and they basically go in uh, pretty crazy. They go in, especially in Southeast Asia, to um, underage brothels and things like that. Mm. Um, and they basically rescue these young girls who have been forced into sexual slavery, basically. All of my music that I do, um, any any funds that I get through that, any support that I get through that goes directly to this Destiny Rescue organization. But I'm at Tim Itstein Music uh, on Instagram mainly. And my wife's the big social media person in the family. Um, so she doesn't like to brag about herself. So I take every opportunity I can because I'm proud of her. But um, she was on that uh, Zumbo's Just Desserts um, on Channel 7. So she was um, became, came in third place there. She did exceptionally well uh, on the show. And so ever since then, her social media is kind of taken off um, to kind of levels that I could only dream of getting to. Um, and so, yeah, so she's at by Brogan. So B Y B R O G E N. 
yep. at by Brogan on Instagram and YouTube mainly. Um, and she, she sort of does, yeah, sort of the baking stuff still and just sort of lifestyle. Um, so you'll sort of see me popping up on there. I, I help her make a lot of the content and you'll see my ugly face pop up on there every so often. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's probably like a good one to follow too, if, if you're interested. All right, man. So we've, we've done the history together. We've learned about your history and now we ride off into the sunset until we see each other again. Blaze, thank you so much for coming on. I love you, man. 17 years later, still call your friend. Absolute blessing. I'm so proud of you and I really appreciate you spending some time with me today. Thanks, Matt. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been fun and right back at you. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks so much again to Blaze for coming in, being my first guest. He was the first guy I started with in wrestling. Makes sense that he's the first guest now. While we're in the mood for thanks, thanks to all you guys for liking, sharing, subscribing, downloading, tweeting, following, hashtagging, putting it up in your stories. Anything you guys needed to do to get the name out there for this podcast. You guys really have gone above and beyond. I'm, I'm really overwhelmed and humbled and I'm really thankful that you guys are sharing it and you're enjoying it, which is the main thing. If you want some more behind the scenes photos, maybe some clips that don't get released here on the podcast, hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash LMBC podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at LMBC podcast and on Twitter at LMBC underscore podcast. This podcast is now available on Apple, Google, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. Next week, I'll have another guest in. Hopefully, you guys will tune in for that one. I'm really enjoying doing this. i got a lot of guests lined up, and I hope you tune in next week. Thanks again for all the support, and I'll see you next Wednesday. 